It is Sunday, April 12th, 2015. This is U62 The Targ, Banjo. As we say in the radio business, if you put that on the radio, people will listen to it. All right, here it comes. Anyone who isn't dead or from another plane of existence would do well to cover their ears right about now. Why, what a little tiny microchip deep inside some electronics. Broadcasting to the world through the miracle of the internet. Ladies and gentlemen, this is U62 The Tar. Now your host, a man with a lifelong dream of getting paid to do this, Mark Pappas. On this week's show, how I spent my birthday, some thoughts on Inside Out, and the latest Star Wars news. It's episode 8.14, Fungi Pizza. So sit back, relax, grab yourself some warm root beer and a towel that's oh so fluffy. You 62 the tar, you're in for something special. Enjoy the show. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Mark Cap is here. Welcome to this week's episode of the Targ. I'm still suffering from my seasonal depression because my birthday was a couple of days ago. I am 38 years old now. I'm as old as Homer Simpson. How the hell did that happen? It just And Homer Simpson's done so much more in life than I have. You know, he's been into space. Have I been into space? No. Am I a nuclear engineer? No. Have I had a best-selling album of barbershop quartet tunes? No. Ah, but still, I'm plodding along, and I'm okay with that. Had a pretty good birthday, celebrated my birthday in the traditional way, pizza and a movie. Yeah, my mom wanted to buy me pizza, so uh, we met up in Spruce Grove. Uh, There's this new pizza place I went to with some friends before called Famoso. Have you heard of it? They're still kind of newish and only in Western Canada right now, I believe. Uh, Famoso, they're a fast, casual place. Fast casual, if you don't read the financial pages, uh, they're what's giving McDonald's a run for their money right now. They're one step above fast food, but not quite at your full-blown sit-down restaurant kind of place yet. And Famoso, their specialty is traditional Italian pizza. So you got the really thin crust, it's cooked in a wood-fired oven, really good stuff. But of course, because it's traditional Italian pizza, you don't have stuff like Hawaiian or meat lovers or anything like that. It's the traditional Italian stuff. So I had the fungi pizza, which is, you know, nothing but mushrooms. I love mushrooms. And my sister wasn't along to be like, ew, mushrooms, gross. So that was a very delicious pizza. And then after that, we went to see a movie. So I was thinking about seeing Terminator Genesis because it was an earlier show and it was going to mean a long drive for me back to Westlock. But I decided to stay late and see Inside Out because I wanted to see Inside Out so much more. And I tell you, that was a good decision because Inside Out, Inside Out is so good, you guys. Pixar is back. I mean, Pixar's been in a bit of a slump ever since they peaked with Toy Story 3 back in 2010. After Toy Story 3, they had Cars 2. The less said about that, the better. After that was Brave, which I found mildly disappointing. You know, there are parts of a good movie in Brave, but they didn't come together to form a good movie. And after that was Monsters University. And with Monsters University, my expectations had been lowered so much that uh, my attitude was, well, it could have been worse. Uh, But with Inside Out, ah, it's so good. I mean, what Toy Story 3 did and Up did, 
kind of that spectacular run that Pixar had in the late 2000s was all of their movies gave me that emotional gut punch. You know, you feel the butterflies in your stomach like you're going to cry, and sometimes maybe you actually do cry because, you know, emotionally they just bring it home, and Inside Out is finally able to do that. I think you've probably seen the reviews by now. You're familiar with the premise. It takes place inside the mind of an 11-year-old girl, and her her emotions are personified, and they kind of run the show. And at the end of the day, it's a coming-of-age story told from this incredibly unique perspective. Joy kind of runs the show, and she's trying to keep the little girl from growing up because while she's young, she's happy, and there's all these changes in her life now, and she's making... This is making our little girl sad. So she's all like, sadness, no, you, you, you stay away from the controls as far as possible. We got to keep her happy. And so eventually it's about learning that, yes, sadness does have a role to play in life. And uh, it's just so good. I highly recommend it. I give it four out of four nibs. Go see Inside Out. And as for Terminator Genesis, well, haven't seen that yet. I'd still kind of like to see that. I see at the end of the month it comes to uh, the local movie theater in Barhead, the next town over from Westlock. So I'll probably go see it when it comes to Barhead. I really should see more movies in Barhead, you know, support local business and all that. I've seen a movie there. It's a pretty good little theater. So, yeah, I think I'm saving Terminator for when it comes to Barhead. You 62 the Dark has everything you want in a podcast. Scooby-Doo, Batman, and Weird Al. It's the holy trinity of pop culture. Download it today at galsinabox.com. I guess I should get into the Star Wars news for the day. Wow. I talk about the Star Wars news so much, I should maybe turn it into its own little segment. But no, the big Star Wars news this past week was they have officially announced what the second Star Wars anthology film is going to be. Uh, Chris Miller and Phil Lord... Yeah, that's it. I always get their names mixed up. Chris Miller and Phil Lord, they're the guys who brought us the Lego movie and the 21 Jump Street films. They're going to do the second Star Wars anthology film, and it's all going to be about young Han Solo. How he got the Millennium Falcon, his smuggler adventures before he met up with our heroes, and is this really a good idea? I mean, the last time they gave us, you know, a young character, it was young Darth Vader, and that was the prequels, and we know how that turned out. But still, it's got a good pedigree behind it. I mean, Lord and Miller, they're one of the hottest duos working in Hollywood right now. Lawrence Kasdan, the man who wrote Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi back in the day, he wrote the screenplay along with his son, John, and we know that Harrison Ford gets along well with Lawrence Kasdan because Indiana Jones and all that, so... The question is, who's going to play young Han Solo? The internet's going crazy with that rumor, but still, I don't know. I'm still kind of cautious about this one because it seems very prequely to me, and we know how well the prequels turned out, but still, you know, I'm going to be there opening day. Check it out. There's a lot more optimism towards this one than pessimism, but still, eh, I'm starting to slow down a little bit. And then, of course, we had the San Diego Comic-Con this past weekend. Well, I'm recording this on Saturday, so the final day hasn't happened yet. But yesterday, they had the Star Wars panel. Lots of people were wondering, ooh, what are they going to show us at the Star Wars panel? Are we going to get a new trailer? Well, they officially announced we're not going to get a new trailer until the fall. What they did show us was the very first behind-the-scenes featurette, which was really cool. We got to see the actual sets. We're in the creature workshop where they're actually making the various 
these animatronic aliens because they're using a lot of practical effects. A rumor was finally confirmed. Simon Pegg is in it. You might remember him as Scotty in the new Star Trek films, and he's done a bunch of stuff lately, and he's a big Star Wars geek. Just watch his old BBC show Spaced for evidence of that. Apparently, though, he was wearing, like, a monster suit, so he's probably going to be under, like, an animatronic and will barely recognize him. So that's kind of cool, and, yeah, it's, it's just really neat to see because that was the big thing about the original Star Wars and what they complained that the prequels didn't have. That's the prevalence of practical effects. Aliens that are right there that you can actually interact with. So they're trying to bring back a lot of that for the new Star Wars movie. And so it looks good, guys. Lots of good Star Wars news. Oh, and I also forgot to mention, they also unleashed the brand new official Star Wars app for all smartphones. I've been goofing around with that. It's kind of fun. Uh, again, one of the features of the Star Wars app, it, it syncs with the weather app on your phone. So it tells you what the weather is most like on a Star Wars planet that day. I'm enjoying that while I can because, let's be honest, once winter rolls around, it's going to be all Hoth all the time. You're listening to Mark Kappas. It's clear to all of you that I am awesome. On U62. The Targ. So I was reading this article on Cracked.com the other day. I love that website. And there was one article that really caught my eye. It was a man talking about how his collection of DVDs became a full-on addiction. I was reading that article, and there were a few things in it that gave me pause for concern. I mean, it's just some of the things he talks about in the article, you know, are things that I have rarely ever done you know he talks about blind buying a lot of things you know that's when you buy a blu-ray or a dvd of a movie or tv show that you've never ever seen i hardly ever do that i think in my entire collection i've only blind bought maybe a half a dozen films you know i blind bought jersey girl because kevin smith was my favorite director so i want to support my favorite director i blind bought robot chicken season one because you know online downloading hadn't really become a thing yet and it wasn't on in canada and i really wanted to see it and that's about really all i did well no all of the pokemon movies from about number six onwards i blind bought as well so yeah maybe only about a half a dozen things i ever blind bought they talk about buying the uh, ones that come in very ornate packages, you know, things that look good on the bookshelf. The one that I remembered is uh, they had like the Alien franchise in a bust of the alien's head. Me, I don't buy anything like that at all. I think the only one I bought like that was the uh, Family Guy special Blue Harvest where they spoofed Star Wars. And that's only because I had a Christmas gift card and I didn't know what exactly to spend with it. So I don't have... I don't follow a lot of their criteria on his list, but I still have a hell of a lot of DVDs. I remember the first time when I thought that maybe buying all my DVDs was a problem. About 15 years ago when DVD was still new and exciting and I was buying DVDs like crazy, I remember buying the box set of the Die Hard trilogy. This was back when, you know, there were only three Die Hard movies. I got that, I was bringing it home, I was driving home, and I was thinking to myself, why the hell did I buy the Die Hard trilogy on DVD? I don't even like Die Hard that much. So, yeah, that drive home, I started rethinking things, and that's when I started cooling down a little bit. And But still, you know, I understand some of the stuff. You know, they talk a lot about double dipping, buying a new feature with new features. Um, 
The one that's currently bugging me right now is The Shadow, one of my favorite guilty pleasure movies. When I finally upgraded to a high-def TV about a year or so ago, I finally bought The Shadow on Blu-ray because I love that movie. And then a few months later, they finally released a special edition. The Shadow, the original Blu-ray release, no bonus features on it at all, but this new special edition has got a brand new digital transfer and an all-new feature featuring interviews with the cast and crew and just... Ah... Every time I see it in HMV, I'm like, do I want to get this? But then I look at my wallet and I see it's empty and I'm like, no, better not. And I think that's where my DVD thing is not a problem because when I look in the empty wallet, I have enough sense to say, uh, better not instead of put it on my credit card. So, yeah. Everything's better with Mark Chappis. Crime has gone down, productivity is up, and ratings for Doctor Who are through the roof. Mark Kappas on U62, the Tar. So let's get to the song of the show, shall we? Like I mentioned, I went to see Inside Out for my birthday. I absolutely loved it. And I also really liked the score. It's from one of my uh, favorite composers, Michael Giacchino. And his Inside Out score has got to be one of the most imaginative scores I heard in a while. So, of course, as soon as I got home, I had to go onto iTunes and buy the Inside Out score. This is one of my favorite cuts. It's called First Day of School. of school composed by Michael Giacchino off of the Inside Out soundtrack here on U62 the Targ yeah Inside Out again it's a very interesting movie and you know because I'm the geek I sit right through till the end credits I think I surprised my mom because you know Pixar's logo right they got that hopping desk lamp he pounces down the eye and then everything fades out except for the desk lamp and then there's that little click and the lamp turns off 
Well, you know how you do Jedi mind trick sometimes to make the automatic doors open? I did Jedi mind trick in the theaters to make the lamp turn off, and my mom just rolled her eyes and had the attitude, God, I'm never going to get more grandkids with this guy, am I? Uh, But still, you know, reading the end credits, something I saw in the inside-out end credits kind of threw me off. In the special thanks, they had special thanks to Lorne Michaels and the crew of Saturday Night Live. And so I had to look it up online. What did Saturday Night Live do for the film Inside Out in order to get a special thanks? Here's the story I found. Mild spoiler warning for Inside Out. So as they're trying to save Riley's mind, they go to Imagination Land where she has her dreams. And how they do her dreams, it's completely portrayed as like a live TV show. And with Saturday Night Live vets Amy Poehler and Bill Hader on the voice cast, Pixar was able to go to Saturday Night Live and observe the show for a week so they could properly portray on film how to do a live action TV show. Pretty cool. I had a similar incident a couple of weeks ago when I went to see Jurassic World. In the special thanks, I saw one of my favorite directors, Brad Bird, got a special thanks. So I'm wondering, what did Brad Bird do for Jurassic World to get a special thanks? I don't remember reading him anywhere being in the running to direct Jurassic World. So I went looking online. Long story short, Brad Bird is why director Colin Trevorrow got to do Jurassic World. This is the story I found. As has been widely reported by now, Brad Bird was actually Disney's first choice to do Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens. But Brad Bird, he was busy doing his next film, Tomorrowland. He really wanted to finish Tomorrowland, but he really wanted to do Star Wars too. So he went to Lucasfilm and said, how about this? Over in Pixar at Animation, we always have a co-director to help us out. There's this new guy coming up, Colin Trevorrow. I really like his work. How about if Colin Trevorrow is my co-director on Star Wars? He can get Star Wars started, and then I can go pick up when I'm done Tomorrowland. So ultimately, though, Brad Bird passed on doing uh, Star Wars, so that idea fell apart. But... This brought Colin Trevorrow to the attention of Kathleen Kennedy, the president of Lucasfilm. And Kathleen Kennedy, she produced the original Jurassic Park for Steven Spielberg back in the day. So Kathleen Kennedy brought Colin Trevorrow over to Spielberg and said, hey, I think this is the guy for Jurassic World. So yeah, Brad Bird landed Colin Trevorrow the Jurassic World gig in that roundabout fashion. And that's why he got a special thanks in the end credits for Jurassic World. Cool how small and incestuous Hollywood is, isn't it? Uh, But anyways, on that note, I'm about out of things to ramble about, so I'm going to shut this down. I'm Mark Kappas. This has been the Targ. I will see you next week. And this brings us to the end of another exciting episode of The Targ. Don't forget you can download a new episode of The Targ every week at chaosinabox.com. The Targ is written and produced by Mark Kappas under the watchful eye of 42 Star Wars action figures. The Targ is a Chaos in a Box production. I'm not going